This is Production Pro. I'm Dan Rubottom. Normally, I'll be discussing more film-related production, like pre-production, to production, to post, and some things I've learned along the way after almost 30 years in this industry. Today, however, I wanted to dive into another topic I've got quite a bit of experience in, live production and streaming. So with everything going on in the world right now and public gatherings being limited, I wanted to offer some ideas that can hopefully help churches or small businesses get the word out more effectively. But before I bring my special guest on, maybe I should tell you a little bit more about my background. So I was on staff as a senior producer for one of the largest churches in America, Lakewood Church, producing special projects like openings, music videos, promos. Before that, I helped launch two TV stations and produced two of the highest rated youth shows, Carmen's Time 2 and This Generation on Christian Networks during the 90s. More recently, I was the DP and editor for the theatrical feature film Palau, shot in Argentina and got theatrical distribution. That was um, an amazing experience. And I also helped grow the video broadcast team at Hope City by building a TV truck and streaming to multiple campuses and social networks. We did that all without having a permanent building. So it was an amazing experience, we learned a lot. And also just this last year, I designed and oversaw the installation of a new multi-camera TV system for Faith Church out of St. Louis. We used Panasonic Varicams and uh, raw switcher and basically built out a new control room as well. But today, I've got Brandon Smith on the line with me. Brandon and I have worked together for a while now on quite a few different projects and different kinds of projects. He's like the Swiss Army knife you always want to have with you. He can get you out of a bind and has so many times. He's a talented filmmaker and also a great video engineer and just figure-outer kind of guy. How you doing, Brandon? Doing great, yeah. Thanks for having me out. This is pretty cool. Absolutely. So I'm going to just jump all the way back just briefly. You know, how did you get your start in production and streaming and that kind of stuff? Well, for me, I think it started uh, started when I was in high school, actually. I I was my dad was a pastor, so I naturally kind of was like the tech guy for the really small church kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, we had just under 100 people. So I started really, really small and I really just developed a passion to learn media, to learn tech. Uh, we, did, we were really under-resourced, uh, so I just kind of had to get creative and just try to figure things out for myself. And I, I was in high school at the time, and so I uh, really kind of uh, found a love for video after uh, a couple of mission trips, and I really, you know, media and storytelling through video, and uh, it kind of blossomed from there. I started my own little company in high school and, and just really just had a desire to learn a whole lot. And um uh, then I, then I started, right out of high school, I started an internship at a large church in Houston and then uh, worked with you for four years. It's kind of crazy how things just happened one after another after that point. And then, uh, yeah, so I worked at a, at a large church from 2010 to 2014, and I learned so much from so many talented people there. Uh, it was just insane, honestly, just how fast uh, I was able to progress and learn. Um especially when it comes to streaming or just storytelling or just, you know, getting anything right on like settings on a, right on a camera or lighting, or just really so many different scenarios. Uh, I was in there that I was able to learn, but yeah, so that's kind of how I got started. 
Yeah, I remember when you were um, doing some really cool stuff with uh, like Black Magic switchers and GoPros for a live event. And you were like in there, like this mad scientist in this room yeah. with like all <laughs> these computers. Very right. Yeah, what I was just all, always testing something. Yeah, I was always like trying to figure out from GPI, like uh, communication protocols, MIDI, like over the network, um, into our Sony 8000X switcher and just really just trying to figure out <laughs> kind of a network of commu- uh, communication to have like remote switchers and GoPros in a different location. And I don't know, I was just always kind of working on something and uh, trying to figure something out. And I, I feel like those moments uh, when I had a little bit of extra time, I just, and I had resources. It was just like a great environment to learn. Um, and I, just learned a lot. I mean, I, I, I was kind of just having fun and, you know, um, creating systems here and there uh, pretty, pretty frequently, uh, trying to really just trying to find way, creative ways to support, uh, the mission of the church with technology, honestly. And that was just kind of like developed into a passion of mine and, you know, trying to find ways to support what was going on and not really distract from, but, um, yeah, so that that's kind of I was always up to something around there trying to figure yeah. something out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you you came in kind of at a good time I think with like an explosion of technology and the church was yeah. changing a lot in the way it looked at media in churches. You know, they're sure. starting to embrace technology in a bigger way. So it seemed to really be at a good time yeah, for Yeah, those years those years were the perfect time. It was like the transition from, you know, DSLRs uh, like five Ds and seven Ds. I started on a, on a GL two, which is quite a while ago. Uh, old Canon GL two. That's oh, why yeah, I really I started that. on DV yep. tape. Uh, <laughs> that's what I uh, saved up money for, and I started on Final Cut, and I saved up money for a Final Cut software and uh, iMac. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of the perfect time to transition from to really get get into it. Uh, it was from transitioning from DSLRs primarily uh, storytelling. Uh, into a little more of the digital format um, with you know, all the newer cameras like FS100. That was a pretty new, really new camera at the time. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so you've worked with large churches um, and you've worked with other different types of organizations. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you've been doing since um, working full time there. Yeah, so I, uh, I kind of stepped back from working there because I had a great opportunity um, to, to kind of travel a lot, honestly. And so I, I kind of did a lot of, uh, storytelling for large nonprofits for pretty, uh, regular basis for about three years, just shortly after I left Lakewood. And I, I did a lot of traveling around the world. I did a lot of really fun stuff, a lot of, uh, creative storytelling. Um, and I, that was really developed into a new passion of mine. And then I, I kind of did a lot of event related stuff, event related engineering or directing or, um, I, yeah, I did a quite a variety, wide variety of projects and I couldn't, I couldn't decide. It was kind of like, I love the event related side of, um, you know, like, you know, load in, load out, right. like figuring equipment out, engineering it, uh, running, operating it. And for, to make a live event happen, that was really my passion. But then I also love like the, the capture, the edit, the storytelling side of, uh, you know, like video right. production whether it is in, in post-production or actually just out in the field shooting and capturing stories. I really loved and I really had a hard time through those few years really deciding which one I really wanted to do. So I, I had a pretty good mix of both. So I really tried to stay in the live environments and the live events 
um, throughout the years uh, because it's also my passion for sure. Um, I really, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed uh, learning. Even as technology has evolved, uh, learning a lot more on the streaming side and. Well, it's it's still storytelling yeah, is, through different creative technologies. That's exactly right. Yeah, so storytelling. I I love the storytelling side and shooting and editing. And now it's more storytelling uh, through streaming, directing, uh, church, churches, and just really just it's, it's a new wave of technology and uh, online church is a new way of thinking and just trying to connect with. Trying to connect with your audience in an authentic and um, you know meaningful way is is a challenge, and it's a challenge to do that over technology. So that's kind of been my new passion in recent years. Honestly, is helping uh, a, 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 another large church here in Houston, um, really with you, Dan, and helped uh, kind of we've helped them get going. And yeah, so then we got involved uh, on another project with a large church or a very emerging church called Hope City here in Houston. And of course, the challenge there with a lot of multi-site churches are that they don't have a physical building. So um, I designed a truck and we built that out and you came along to just, uh, just to help like facilitate like the, you know, the week to week, you know, just what you were like an amazing support on that. And like, how do I, you know, how do we get this streaming thing working? How does this, you know, all the just kind of nuts and bolts, right, right. of it? Yeah, that process, it, we, I guess we started probably, I think I started helping out with Hope City. You know, I I was kind of around when it first started, but I didn't really, I wasn't helping out with you guys when you guys had just launched uh, the streaming side of it. Uh, I kind of came on a little bit, a little bit later on. Um, I think around 20 mid 2016 yeah. if i remember right or end of 2016 or somewhere around that time and uh we really just kind of yeah i helped you get just with whatever you needed at the time with the truck uh when you're building out the truck and then we had uh always trying to implement new technology and uh, that was just a really good time and then it was really just one thing after another trying to help grow and launch this church into an online phase and um in a multi-campus phase at that not really just online but just looking at Launching, uh, launching an multiple multi-site church uh, that was right. portable was was a great challenge, and I don't know. We we definitely spent tons of hours, you and I, you know, figuring all that side of it out. And we definitely, I learned so much from you. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a really really great time. Yeah, <laughs> we learned a lot from each other, and it was it was a a new challenge. And um, I think that. Uh, I also want to kind of help relate some of these experiences to help people today. You know, like what are some of the current challenges with um, just in the modern climate, everything going on with Corona that's kind of, kind of dated a little bit, but I think right now with everything, it's just kind of being crazy in the world and a lot of churches and other small businesses are trying to go, you know, live stream uh, to their audiences. And um, so, you know, I remember one of the, one of the huge, you know, it seems like obvious, but one of the biggest challenges we had with the multi-site and no building was driving the truck up and connecting everything and boom, the internet doesn't even work. Yeah. So we don't have, we can't stream, you know? Yeah, it's always it's something like we, we can, MacGyver and figure out whether it's like streaming from a hotspot. That's that one service just to figure it out. Yes. And it was going through another yeah. computer, the cable going through the other. It was, 
into the into the router. It was always something that we had to piece together. So there's so many challenges, and not only a mobile environment, but just a, any streaming environment. There's always a lot of challenges just to get live. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you think? Like today, like if somebody's in a in a church or a small business or something, what are some of the typical challenges that people face? Like just some of the basic things that you would run into if you're trying to start something. Yeah, I mean, just getting started uh, sometimes can seem super daunting, which I totally understand. I, you know, I grew up in a small church, and I understand what it's like to really get going from nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the challenges people face is just knowing which which gear to s- select from the get go, or knowing which software to select from the get go. Uh, that's that's definitely a beginning challenge that you would have, uh, or really in, even understanding concepts in a. If you're really starting from nothing, understanding concepts of how streaming works as a whole, uh, you know what mm-hmm. an encoder is. Where where does it go into the cloud? How does it how is it processed? And um, the different types of streams there are um, for different scenarios, for different outlets. You know, for Facebook and YouTube, it may be a little more simple. But if you're streaming uh, to a web player and you have uh, you know a certain amount of people, it's going to require a lot more bandwidth. Uh, and so different encoders, different services come into play at that point. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it can be very daunting. And I would just say, um, I would just say, I mean, starting small is, I think is key. You know, starting with what you do know works yeah. is important uh, and kind of going from there and kind of building from there. Yeah. And I think, you know, people may look at, um, Streaming may be as simple as just simply holding up their phone and live streaming, right. whatever they need. And sometimes that is the best approach, depending on what the application is at that That's moment. Right. You know, like if you're doing like a Instagram stream and you want to, you know, just kind of have something immediate, and it's just more time is more important than anything else. Then that's probably the best way to go, I'd imagine. Yeah. But but then there's, you know, what beyond that, you know, if, if somebody wanted to hook up one camera and make it just a little bit more professional, right. what's like the very basic thing do you think people would need to start with? Yeah, so you could start equipment with... Equipment-wise. Right, right. You could start with um, a pretty basic camera in terms of if it has HDMI on it, if it has SDI on it. Depending on which encoder you're using, um, there's one called Video Pro. It's a great encoder to start out on, and it's an HDMI input into that encoder and you can stream directly to Facebook or you can stream directly to YouTube. And it's actually one of the ones that we first started using at Hope City and it's right. reasonably affordable. Um, and the good thing about that is you can go anywhere that you have Wi-Fi. You can even uh, get those hotspot cards that essentially, um, you know, I'm sorry, USB modems that essentially go into the encoder there's, or you can be hardwired. And uh, there's a lot of wide variety of connections you can use those encoders with, but um, you can also mount it onto the camera is a great thing about that. And still retain that level of production quality that you may not have with an iPhone and in an audio as well. You have, you have on a you know, professional camera, you have great, uh, typically they have great preamps that you can use, uh, a wide variety of microphones, not, not just the internal microphone on your iPhone, which, uh, is a great asset, honestly, when streaming. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, I think that's probably, one of the best places you can um, pay attention to is just the audio. That's right. Like even if you're, 
if all you have is your phone, but you just want to make it a little bit better, let's just, you know, you can connect a simple law of even to your iPhone, you know, a little $20, $15 law of, right, right. Law of mic or a little, you know, or a shotgun, depending on what you're, if you're interviewing people, maybe. Um, but of course, like you said, you could go into like a DSLR or a, um, say, you know, like an A7, a Sony A7 or a Canon right. ADD or any of those series are fantastic. Yeah. And you know better than anyone. Yeah. The image quality on those are incredible. So then, yeah. So if you want to take up your game a little bit more beyond a phone, as far as just being a little bit more professional, you know, you could put one of those cameras on a tripod you know, put a, connect a mic into the little mic jack, put some headphones in so that you can hear the, you know, if, if you've got somebody to help you get, have them wear headphones or ear earbuds to make sure it's not distorted and it actually is recording audio, you know, that kind of thing before right, you go right. live. Always check your feeds. I've learned that the hard way. I'm sure right. I've had mistakes, but it's always important to check your audio feeds and your video feeds pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, it's a definitely an important thing. And then I mean, obviously when you're streaming, um, I'm sure you have this on the list to talk about, but when you're streaming, you have audio and you want, you want to make sure those audio levels are, uh, internet ready. Right. So they're, they're pretty close up to zero yeah. as, as they can be within reason. Right? So talk about that a little bit. Cause I, sometimes I hear, um, you know, uh, the audio is distorted and, um, but it's like a really simple setup. Somebody's just going right into a DSLR and it's like, why might it be distorted? Yeah, so it's interesting. Depending on what kind of mic you use, sometimes uh, there's a lot of menu settings for audio typically on these types of cameras. Um, and sometimes it's like a plus, uh, maybe plus, you know, a certain amount of, so many dB or minus. And you really just have to go through and uh, if it's if it sounds like it's distorted, they can be multiple things. If it's a wireless, uh, if it's a wireless mic, sometimes there's uh, sensitivity settings on these wireless mics. So they're really important to making sure that the the, the they're, they're still dynamic and it doesn't sound like it's being distorted the entire time. And especially if it's being distorted the entire time and your levels are still low on your camera, that's it. Likely, if it's a wireless mic, it may be a sensitivity uh, issue on the wireless lavs wireless microphones you can typically just adjust those on on the devices themselves um, or yeah you can just really getting into the uh, proper audio levels is yeah you go into the menus uh, typically most of them have little audio meters and uh, they normally range from green to red and uh, pretty self-explanatory you don't want to hang out in the red all the time if it's if it just hits there every once in a while that's okay you don't want it to be hanging out there much uh, yeah, healthy audio levels in elementary terms is somewhere around the yellow, um, and or if you actually have some level, like level of scale, it would be uh, you would be wanting to max out around uh, zero dB, maybe just under that, um, to make sure you're getting the best audio possible. So, I recommend if you're testing these devices, talk really loudly, talk talk, talk really loudly, if as if you're the pastor right. or something like that. And make sure that you're uh, really testing both ends of the spectrum. And if, and if he's being quiet, sometimes that's a challenge. And you get your levels set, especially if you're in-camera audio, you get your levels set and he gets really quiet. He gets really loud and sounds distorted or it gets a little lot more quiet. And uh, it's really hard to chase those things with onboard audio sometimes. But um, sometimes being on the camera, you can adjust it on the fly. Right. Um, something I was thinking about that might be a good idea for somebody that, 
you know, uh, backups are always a, a nice thing. And especially if you're live streaming yes. and the live stream, maybe if it didn't go exactly how you had in your mind and because live is just live, things are going to happen. Right. But what if, you know, like if, say, if the audio was distorted on the stream, but you had a backup recorder that was recording separate audio, you could repair that. And so then for a re-air, you could fix it and it wouldn't be wasted. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Redundancy, I think, is key in production to begin with. And that's a, definitely a really good area, especially if you're if you're streaming to your entire church audience in this day and age. And you really have a hard time with the audio upon that live, that li airing it live. Um, that's a great idea. I think that's that's something that I would definitely uh, make a priority is to uh, record in multiple places and, and make sure those levels are healthy there. Um, and so you can fix it in post production and make sure it sounds the best it possibly can for when you deliver that podcast. Right, right. You could, you know, if you had the ability, it, you know, this is going a little bit beyond just one camera, but you know, even just if you were shooting with a DSLR, if you were just to go ahead and record to the internal card instead of like if you were streaming out to a video or something external encoder, if you had it internally right, recorded, right. at least you know the video would be captured and maybe the audio would be better, maybe not. Right. Um, but then uh, another thing, of course, then the next thing opening beyond like if, well, one camera is pretty basic for streaming. Right. So, I mean, if you're doing like worship or something, it's like that's might be kind of on the boring end of things. You're probably going to want what, uh, what do you think, two or three cameras or something? Yeah, that'd be definitely more the ideal scenario for sure. Uh, something I've been think putting a lot of thought into lately is just uh, what's the most effective way uh, to com communicate with your audience so your audience feels some level of being connected and uh, it's it's very interactive for them. I think th these are areas that are definitely enhance uh, an experience for someone that's at home watching that's maybe alone or you know or maybe there's a group of people that are watching at home. Uh, we definitely want to do our best to optimize that and uh, really make sure the heart of the pastor or whatever is happening is coming across right. uh, to that audience. And that seems to be a, it seems to be a struggle with technology, and so sometimes if you do have like this extravagant extravagant production, I think sometimes it, you have to be careful with if it if it seems distancing, especially right. if uh, yeah, I think you have to be sensitive to what's going on in, in, the, in the current moment, and maybe sometimes it'd be cool to live stream and it's really just that pastor talking to his phone uh, throughout the week, or uh, maybe on a Wednesday that's encouraging that audience uh and you know the audio it is important that it's good but you know the production quality should be good but if the content and he's connecting with those people is 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 fantastic and then then that's effective i think so i think looking at looking at through that lens is something that i've been putting a lot of thought into recently and um, it's kind of a challenging thing balancing technology and trying to communicate in, in an effective way and engage people effectively through through technology is sometimes a challenging thing. Right, right. Okay, so along those lines uh, of connecting to the audience, do you think there are certain types of camera angles that are conducive to that, that help people at home engage and feel more connected as opposed to just where they're just watching your performance? And that's Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I've noticed that a lot of times people really feel really connected when that when that person is looking at the camera, if that's if that's that person's style that's communicating on on camera, if and they're comfortable with that, uh, oftentimes it seems to be a really effective way of communicating with your audience. 
Because if that pastor or that person speaking is looking directly into the camera, um, even if it's for a moment, if he has a few people there around him, uh, then he can look at them and engage them. Uh, but if it's just him and the camera, obviously, I think that's important. Um, I would say it's kind of like a, a mid shot. I, would, I don't know how tight I would go on that, but uh, I'd just say a healthy shot where someone can look at that on their phone and say and feel connected and feel, feel reasonably close to that. And if it's worship or if it's something like that, maybe it's a little bit, if you wanted to add a few more cameras, then you could probably talk about that. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I, th- I think that's, that's, those are all excellent points. Um, I think uh, another thing that came to mind was just audio, how important that is with connecting. Like if it's just the, the mic on the pastor or just on the worship leader singing um, and you don't hear the audience, to me that feels kind of disconnecting, doesn't it? Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. That's a great point. I mean, uh, having audience mics when you stream is is, is a really fantastic thing because it really brings that person in to, as if they're there in the moment, you know, with, with those people in that room experiencing whatever's going on, whatever's being communicated. Uh, audience mics really add that dynamic. And I, I feel it's really effective way to uh, just step up your you know production level uh, even further. And um, I think once we started doing that at Hope City even more and more, and we started paying audio a little bit more attention, I noticed uh, I, I noticed a lot more comments from people saying that they felt more connected. Right. And uh, it was a very effective way, I think. Yeah. That, yeah, that's something I really find. If, if, if I'm just, you know, bopping through different church streams on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night, I'll notice the ones that don't have audience mics or, you know, while it's maybe while he's preaching or he or she's preaching or whatever, uh, if there's not enough audience response to him, it just feels like whether right. it's a joke or just something that they're it feels really dead. Yeah, yeah. You're like, Oh, come on. Are they tough? Crowd. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. If they're, if they're not engaged, then reality, why should they I be, be engaging? Yeah. Right. All right, and that's and that's another good point. Is like even that you do that with audio, right? If you add crowd mics, but you can also do that in a in a way that's uh, with video. If you have the audience camera, and this, you know, some people may lean against it, or maybe lean towards it, but I have noticed it is a pretty effective way when people see other people uh, on a stream. If it's, I wouldn't say stay there very long. It's, it'd be a quick shot, but I guess the point of that shot going to the audience camera uh, in a moment is to really to show the online viewer. Uh, what's going on and how people are responding. It's kind of like a, a, you know, a cue to engage themselves when they're at home watching. I totally agree. Uh, I've noticed that to be pretty effective. You know, it's, 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 a, it's another great way, another great tool to use. Yeah. And that kind of relates to, to my, you know, our other um, side of production and just editing post-production, like on a film, you know, when I was, you know, when you're, when you're editing short form videos or film short, you know, especially narrative dramatic type things, the payoff is almost always the response of the person that, that you know, the, the protagonist right. is talking to, you know, when you see that reaction, that's like wh- where a lot of the drama is. And so it's the same thing, I think, with, you know, watching a live thing. Now it's not always easy. You can't edit it. You know, it, it's like, it's hard to find the person that's not, you know, uh, you don't want to show people that are falling asleep or chewing gum or empty right, seats. Yeah, you're, sometimes your timing could be completely off with that. Yeah. And you're just like, oh man, I shouldn't have taken that shot. Yeah. But most times that's the, it's the, one of the most rewarding shots you can take because 
it does give that that viewer this that next level of connection with with whatever message that you're sharing. Yeah, it's one of the you know, and just some tips on on those kind of shots. We always try to you know avoid showing you know empty seats around them, um, yeah. gum chewers. You know, just because then you're like, right. why is he chomping so hard? You know, it's like you're just thinking about People that. People are you know, like playing on their phones. Playing on their like phones. Never show that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any kids that are being distracting down right. the aisle or. Because then you don't want um, to have the reverse effect where it pulls you out of the moment. Right, right. So that's, yeah, that's good. Anyone is, sometimes people are taking notes or giving a good nod, nod of the head. Like those are, that's body language is important. You can tell that they're engaged. Yeah. I guess that next level up from like the DSLR is, is multicam. And then I think the technology is behind it. And the engineering side is something that I could probably speak to a little okay. bit uh, or quite a bit. Um I think there's a lot of great technologies out there. Uh, I've used a handful of different ones from high vision to uh, living as one streaming. Um, now you're talking about the encoders, like right? The encoding as well as the uh, backends like servers that are re-encoding into multi-stream formats and, and web-ready uh, stream formats. Um, so there's, a, there's several different products out there, but even, even the encoders themselves, uh, there's even... There's a lot to choose from. So I guess my point would be, um, you know, choose what fits best for you. If you're going into a multi-church environment, uh, I would definitely lean a lot more heavily towards Living as One Streaming. Uh, they're fantastic for if you have multi-site campuses or you want to have a remote location. They do a really great job of um, of creating products and then having a back-end, back-end service that you can manage very easily it's user friendly. Uh, they have the best customer service. It sounds like a commercial for them right now, <laughs> but I've used a few different ones, and uh, it, you know sometimes it doesn't turn out so well in, for this uh, industry. And uh, they, they've had a, they have a great product for for multi site churches as well as streaming uh, to social media. But if you want to go a little bit more of the uh, you know a little bit more of the more economical route. Uh, Maybe uh, it would be maybe a Teradek encoder with a Teradek uh, core service. If you're just streaming to uh, YouTube and Facebook, um, those are great products and those are great services uh, that, that are very close to real-time uh, encoding. And um, it's a really easy dashboard to, to get around on, on online when, when you're sending, sending uh, your, your service, when you're sending your service or your product up to the web, uh, that's a great, that's a great product. So that's a, Teradek, uh, so that's a hardware and a software solution together, right? That's right. And typically, you know, you have, uh, a lot of, a lot of people have that, those two things together. They have their own hardware that go along with their own, uh, service. So, uh, for instance, the living is one streaming, they have their own hardware. Uh, they have, uh, their own ha- hardware that has dual stream with up to 16 channels of audio. Um, which uh, that's what they use at Hope City now is they have 16 channels of audio at each campus. Uh, and those are de-embedded at each campus that go into the worship leader's ears and they can remix crowd mics. They can remix uh, lavalier mics uh, for the sermon, uh, as well as for those songs where the, the worship leaders want to join in at multi-campuses and it's all kind of synced together typically and into the sermon. It's that, it's that last song until uh, the sermon starts, um, and that's that's the way that has been done recently. 
but living as one is great for that. Or if you want to do more of just like the social social media streaming and uh, YouTube, uh, Terra Deck is a fantastic product for that. Um, yeah, and they even do some point to point real time solutions that are really great. Uh, but it's it's truly it's a lot more of uh, in the live. Uh, environment less uh, delayed and less of a DVR type service. Right. Yeah, I've noticed on uh, uh, Living as One, they really seem to have come on really strong, and I've noticed a lot of churches are are adopting them, including I saw I saw right. um, it looks like Elevation is using them as well now for their point to point campus. Yep, that's right. And and you were, I mean, you were the one bringing this up like. I don't know how many years ago that was, and you were, we were we were looking into new technology, and you had found Living as One, and it was just you know what, uh, how it happened. We, I think that was a I while think, back. I'm trying to remember if it was through uh, around the time of Harvey, and we went over to First Baptist Church. They let us use their building because during Harvey, you know, all the flooding going on. Oh yeah, that sounds right. And yeah. they had that, and I think that's the first time I had heard of it. I'm like, what is that? And uh, they were like, oh, we love it. And so anyway, that was. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was like all, all, all move forward from there, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and, and they so so, and then yeah, like what you said about Teradek, I think they're great, and it, and it's very simple and pretty affordable, and something you could get in place really quickly, you know. Right, right. You can implement that it, within a day pretty yeah, easily. Yeah. As far as streaming, I think it's important to to just try to um, pay attention to a few details. It doesn't have to be hard, but like as far as like just lighting, even if you don't have a lot of lighting, but just try to get something where you can get the shadows out of your eyes and don't just leave the fluorescent lights on above you. Like if you're streaming out of an office, yeah, you know, or, right. or you know, try to get some backlight and uh, try to find some soft light, right? Yeah. Like maybe, maybe like a window on a cloudy day looking towards it or just, just slightly off of it or something. Right, right. And another big one, and this is like really easy. Anybody can do it. Just separate yourself from the back wall. You know, whether it's on a stage in a big auditorium, try to get as much depth between whoever's speaking or singing or whatever in the background, the, you know, the background, whether it's an LED wall or just a brick wall or, or an right. office. That way, two things happen there. You, you don't have all the ugly shadows that you're casting on the back wall that you're getting distracted by. And you've got uh, more uh, shallower depth of field. So the background will blur out a little bit. That's definitely one massive way of making sure your your shot and composition looks great is having a backlight, create bring that subject off that back wall a little bit. And if I've learned anything over the years from you and a lot of other talented people, especially you, is create depth. That's a really that's a really big factor in, in com- composing a shot, and it's a really important. Yeah. Way. Let's see. Anything else? Oh, oh, and and on the cameras, should we manual control or auto? <laughs> <laughs> oh this man is so basic but well i would definitely lean towards uh manual control i'm not going to bash anyone out there that's using auto but i will say manual control gives you a lot of uh capability uh especially when it comes to well especially audio levels i would definitely recommend yeah uh a manual control and um Unless, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, unless this passer is extremely dynamic, but you, then you probably need some level of compression or something right, like right. that. Um, and, and typically the audio the auto uh, audio level feature on your camera probably isn't going to work very well for that. Yeah. But, um, I, I, when it goes to the picture side, you know cameras very, very well. I've learned so much from you in terms of like camera settings and, and theory. Um, but 
I would definitely go more the manual direction and, and make sure you have your exposure correct. And yeah, I, I think for people that are just learning or don't know much about photography, which essentially is what you kind of need to know a little bit about to get those settings dialed right. in manually. If you don't know that yet and you're still learning, just if put it in auto. Okay, that's fine. Nobody's shaming you because it's like it's more important to get the content out. But, right. but, uh, and especially with audio, usually the auto gain control or the AGC and settings and the cameras are, are pretty decent. At least it's better than being distorted. I'd rather, I'd rather hear it kind of pump up and down a little bit in, you know, than be distorted. So at least, and then right. when you learn how to do the manual, okay, you know, switch over to manual and, and that kind of thing. Um, but you know, with the camera, with the DSLRs, the things you have to be careful of, if you're moving around, and there's like a, ba a white wall behind you, the, the auto exposure is going to go up and down. And all of a sudden you're going to be dark when you move over. <laughs> right. Uh, That's a, it's always yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah. Or if you're, if you're, yeah, everything's, you're shooting in a window is behind you. Right. That window is really, worst. really bright. Yes. And then so it moves away and it exposes for the outside. So that's the last thing you want. Right. Really. I mean, one of the last things you want, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, um, Brandon, uh, so where can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Mark Brandon Smith, pretty basic name I know. Um, or you can find me on Facebook. You can search my name, Brandon Smith, um, or shoot me an email, Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N at amarkproductions.com. Very cool. And I'll, and I'll put this in the, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Just to let you know, you know, this is all tips we wanted to just put out there but at the same time if you need more help beyond what this is what we, what we have to offer here just you know feel free to your brandon or i a call we can team up together or we can work individually uh we can also we didn't talk about this earlier but i've got a couple cameras you've got gear too you know if yeah for sure if you don't have anything we could even come out and set it up for you right absolutely we're definitely here to help uh whether it's from helping you guys do uh, a small production or a very large production um, are definitely here to, and our heart is definitely to serve and definitely to you know help help anyone communicate their message with their audience absolutely um, but. yeah thanks Brandon for coming on really appreciate thank it thank you for having me on here this is awesome yeah it's a great time just chatting about all this stuff we'll have to do it again and, and talk about uh, your experience working when we got to work on the feature film together Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That was so much fun. I, I look at that time period, like the, that little, those shoots, and I was just like, this is, those days on the on set, and it was just an amazing time. I was, just really enjoyed it. So Brandon uh, was the B camera operator on the Palau film that I was DP on, and uh, he was the B camera on the Houston unit. And so for two, day, two days, we worked together. Well, but that's just a little tease there. So anyway, for another episode. Yeah, it was so much yeah. fun. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, man. Take care, Brandon. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it and gained a few ideas or maybe just a confirmation of a way you want to go when considering streaming in these challenging times and uh, let me know in the comments if you'd like to hear more about this topic or others or any questions you may have I'll do my best to answer them in future episodes speaking of I do have several other episodes in the can that I'm still editing that I hope to drop soon such as using DaVinci Resolve uh, as an editor 
what software do I use, 10 ways to improve your edit space, lighting 101, lighting 201, <laughs> special Q&A episode where I discuss the Blackmagic Pocket 4K camera, and also I want to discuss um, my experience as the cinematographer on the feature film Palau that I got to shoot in Argentina, as I mentioned earlier, all the way through the post process, including scoring, visual effects, color grading, and mixing at an LA mix stage which was incredible. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and everywhere else at Dan Rubottom. It's D-A-N-R-U-B-O-T-T-O-M. Also, if you'd like to reach me directly about any projects you may need help with, please email me at danrubottom at gmail.com. Finally, I want to leave you with this. 1 Peter 5-7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Learn the craft. Be creative and go make something great. 